0: Welcome to Years in Your Ears. I'm Owen, and I'm Dick Denham. Each show we talk about a different year, and we wallow in nostalgia, basically, and and that's it. We have we have other fun things along the way, but we'll start with the grand unveiling of the year. Which we pass. Would you pass me the scissors, please?
1: Certainly. Here's here's the big massive scissors. Um, We're here for ribbon in front of. <laughs> yeah in front of the year which is kind of like in big um it's like big inflatable yeah numbers I mean, I, isn't I, to it to be
0: honest i can see the numbers yeah outside of the i mean there's a cloth at the front of it yeah but i can see at least three of the the numbers. numbers yeah i'm now worried that if we get the scissors involved there's going to be a bursting incident
1: we'd end up doing a year like in the first millennium and I have not prepared for that. I no, don't know what the biggest selling song is from any year, really, before 1000 BCE. I said before Common Era. Yeah. Because
0: that's how I roll. OK, so let's pull the cloth off. What year is it?
1: The year in this episode is 1998.
0: Oh, oh my god <laughs> what a year it was what do you recall from the year the year of our christ <laughs> i was
1: finishing junior school you and i were both obviously at saint benedict's uh church of england junior school
0: in glastonbury yes was that not the year of the great macbeth play yeah Didn't... it was yeah <laughs> that was so I brilliant think, i still think that was very ambitious for a how old were we? We were like 10. 10 to be slash doing 11. Yeah. 10, 11 in. Yeah.
1: So we put on a, yeah, for the year six leavers play at St. Ben's, they put on a production of the year sixers. Mm. All 80 of us put on a production of uh, Macbeth. And they had us like, because there were so many parts, we were all sharing parts. So we'd come on. I was Macbeth in scene four. Yeah, when he really kind of loses it, and he sees Banquo. Were you Banquo actually? And
0: that's I wasn't in it because I went to Canada. Oh,
1: I abandoned
0: the entire end of the year and just fucked off to another continent, which I believe is now punishable by fines, isn't it? If you take kids out before some yeah. holiday, well, yeah, yeah, no it fines be. for me. And we oh,
1: was a in much the more heady, days, yeah, in the
0: heady era of uh, of Blair et al. Before the war, principally of that year, I remember going to Canada and switching schools. And we went from being in St. Benedict's to St. Dunstan's. So it was a wild summer. And I came back and I had and I had like water or something in my ear for months. So the first couple of weeks of St. Dunstan's was incredibly quiet. And I just thought maybe that's what different schools are like. They're just slightly lower volume. Well, like not as loud and colourful as as genius school. Yeah, maybe it was the blazers. Maybe that was it. I thought maybe the blazers dampened the sound. And then one day in science, the water went, and I was like, "Christ, we are in a new world." Bunsen burners. Did the water come out your ear? Yeah, just fell out. Oh uh, dear! Everyone in the lesson was hushed. They were going, "Fuck is this?" Did it smell? I don't recall, to be totally honest. I'm just thinking if water had been in your ear for quite some time, like it might have
1: it might have been smelly ear water.
0: It, it likely had a fragrance. Before we delve into our choices for this year, shall we have a bit of advertising?
1: Yeah, just a quick word from a couple of our sponsors. Don't let Dan Jeff get you down. Or kill you. Call the National Dandruff Helpline at three thirty tomorrow afternoon. National Dandruff Helpline. You know the
0: number. Tired of losing your headphones? Then rent some headphones from Headphone Rental. You pay a simple monthly charge of nine ninety nine. Use the app. Press the headphone button, and you will just get headphones. Don't ask where they come from. Don't ask why they're wet. Don't ask why the water smells. 9.99. That's it. <laughs> you can't negotiate up and down. Some
1: great deals there from some of our sponsors. Yeah.
0: Some very concerning. Do deals. do check them out. <laughs> and
1: if anyone um out there, if you've kind of heard the rustling of, of Taffeta and you want to kind of like buy any of the pieces
0: that Owen and I are wearing, you can uh you can shop mm-hmm. the look. Except for anything, all of my lower half is custom made, but everything. Absolutely is yeah purchasable
1: absolutely yeah <laughs> it's all available in our capsule collection smelly ear water at, <laughs> at, at boohoo.com
0: available for various prices okay what have you got from the year 1998 to show me so,
1: 1998, the first thing I have chosen is... I don't think this will surprise you, O, as obviously you know and what a big fan I am of this particular Chanteuse from Down Under. Chanteuse is French for singer. Oh, right. Go um, okay, don't know if you know, but I am half French. Je m'appelle Richard. <laughs> no, but the first thing I want to talk about is... A 1998 single release by Danny Minogue.
0: Okay, um, here this, it
1: is. The song uh, Disremembrance. So that is okay. the title of the song. It's It's quite, I feel like it's quite an impressive. You know, it's one word. It's five this syllables. Remembrance. Yeah, yeah. It's a neology. She's term.
0: reinventing language, the language.
1: Yeah. But what it is basically, is like a really nice. So I first heard it when I bought her Greatest Hits, which I think came out in 2007. It's from her third mm. album, Girl, which had, was, had a much more mature vibe. The whole album was kind of like techno pop. Dance, electronic. And I think it was produced by the guys who went on to become Xenomania, who were the big producers behind um, Girls Aloud and uh, Rachel Stevens. It was the third single from the album. It only got to 21 in the charts, in the UK charts. But it's a really nice song, actually. It's, um, so it's techno pop, but it, the lyrics, I think it's sung in like a minor key or something. And the lyrics are quite like forlorn. Mm. So it's got that really nice mix of like being like really like high energy kind of like techno pop beat Mm. with like a quite a kind of like sad, lilting lyrics. And I think there's like some strings in it as well.
0: That's uh, sort of along the lines of Madonna's album that year then. Very kind of like.
1: No, not
0: like. Mm. No, not no. Come on. You're saying it's forlorn, but it's also techno. I mean, that's what. That's what she was doing at the time, wasn't it?
1: What you mean, kind of like frozen and like? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to be so <laughs> dismissive. Immediately dismissive. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was kind of. Um, <laughs> but I feel like Danny's album is more recognisably, and the sound is more recognisably kind of like Euro pop, like yes, the, like trance, when I think Madonna's album was, which was, I, I think, was less. I wouldn't know how to describe that of Light album, actually. If anyone Mm. wants
0: to suggest. Yeah, send us a fax. And yeah, with a kind of waveform drawing of what you think the sound is. I was going to say some musical highlights from this year. We're not going to dive into the single of the year. Absolutely. No way. Because that is for later on. Yeah. That is for later on. But I mean, this was the year of uh, Aqua's Dr. Jones, you know, much. That was a school disco classic. That was,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love Dr. Jones. I have that on CD single. Did you get it from Woolworths? I would have got it from Woolworths and Glastonbury High yeah. Street. Yeah. Um. I mean, where else did you go to shop the latest music trends as a 10 slash 11 year old living in <laughs> Glastonbury? But if anyone's, yeah. I would definitely recommend giving Disremembrance a search on Spotify. Yeah, it's a nice little... Ch- I think the reason why I like it is it reminds me of like... I don't know. I feel like it's got that kind of gay club, three in the morning vibe of like, it's a kind of slightly sad song, but it's still got a dance beat. Yeah. So
0: I think that's why I feel a fondness to this song. You can't forget it. It's got a memorable name. Don't disremember it, no. An album from that year, I made a note of this because it always seemed to be on in the house, was um, Quench by The Beautiful South.
1: Oh, and I have a very
0: clear memory. Yeah. When I saw that album cover, I was like, I remember I always had that on, on my mum's PC. We had a program where you could like build like 3D uh, art on it, which sounds way cooler than it than it actually was. And we, I just used to have like quench on, and I was like building like seascapes and stuff. Oh. Which, uh, in many ways, uh, are a precursor to Minecraft. Talking of that computer and being on the computer, 1998 was the year of the game Grim Fandango, which is going to be my first choice. Oh. Um, it was a game that I was in love with. And me and my brother were obsessed with it. It was, it was an old school PC game. It was made by LucasArts, the company that span off from George Lucas Star Wars. And they were known for games that were like point and click adventures, where you walked around and talked to people, clicked on people, had conversations. You know, so they were kind of story games, not really game games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had a demo of this game that we really loved. And then I think we bought it and it came in these huge boxes back in the back in the days where you had like a giant cardboard box with a game in it. And then you open the box and it had like a map and a manual. And then like in it was the normal CD size jewel case. And then because it was before the days of DVDs, well, it, this was another thing. 1998 is the the year that dvds came on the market for the first time but these were all cd roms right so the i think the discs were i think it was like five of them and you had to like keep or four perhaps, perhaps you kept to, having to keep switching them around to play different bits of the game which is insane to think of now
1: so the game was spread over four CDs. it
0: might have been yeah i think it, it was a few it was a few discs anyway what I'm saying is you got to a certain point in the game and it was like switch the switch the disc over so you had to do the thing where you were like oh okay eject the disc put the other one in hope it didn't break
1: wow so what kind of game so grim fandango yeah
0: so it was based around what you call the design of it was like a mexican day of the dead all of the game was set in limbo between the land of the living and sort of the world beyond as it were And you have to you play uh, Manny Calvera, who has to travel across Limbo to get to the land of the dead. And he starts the game. I I think he's like a he is a a reaper, and he like sells tour packages to people to get across uh, Limbo. But but there's loads of different packages for like wealthy people to get across. But then um, it's like a it's like a noir style game it's kind of very 1940s vibe um it's really yeah it's really like artistic and really fascinating really good lo- wide cast of characters it really feels like an epic mm. the game goes across several years so like it will drift to another year it's really it's it's an amazing game it's still it is still one of my favorite games of all time and it's just a really it's a really atmospheric really fantastic computer game
1: oh, so it sounds like it was the aesthetic that really appealed to you. So, like, in terms of the game, was it, like, it was, like, adventure base? So you were, like, yeah. d- did Manny have, like, missions that, like, he had to complete? You had an objective
0: and you had to kind of talk to characters, get, like, a thing. But it's just fetching, picking up stuff, giving it to other mm. people type thing. It's not, um, there was, like, s- some elements that were a bit more, like, puzzle, more specifically puzzle based, but like mm. mainly it was like a talking type. It was like a story, really. And in fact, they they remastered it a couple of years ago so you can play mm. it again now because old games, what I'm saying is you you wouldn't be able to plug that old CD into like a modern computer and it would work mm. without having to do some wizardry to it. So for the longest time, the only way I could kind of play it, as it were, was I'd watch... You could. There was someone had done a YouTube video where they'd put the whole like eight hours or however long it's to play it. They'd put the whole like saga up, and I used Mm. to just watch it (laughs) for nostalgia, nostalgia purposes, just be like, Oh, but then they've remastered it so I can play it again and I will. I
1: mean, was it just that one release in '98? Was there any kind of like debate? Obviously, I said you, you know, you said it was remastered a couple of years ago, but. Mm um did they ever like follow it up with games was there any kind of franchise around it any films or and was it
0: based on a book or no it was it was this is the thing about the the kind of creativity that period of yeah that period of computer game stuff like they were making their own stories and they were often lucas arts were known for like really creative really innovative game design and storytelling so they never, yeah, they never followed it up with anything else. They remastered it. Yeah. So it's, it, clear, it has a huge following and people still like it. But I kind of, it's one of those rare things where they didn't kind of go over the top with it. It's, you know, it's still, it's, it's apart from remastering the original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still just the same thing. Still just that one story. No, it's a fantastic game. And it really, I don't know, it really made me happy when I was like, Looking up the year, and I was like, "Wait a second, what computer games were out that year?" And I was like, "Ah Do you know what I mean and that really takes me back to I didn't have my own computer then, so it's like the the family computer, and you'd sit there and you could only play the one in like, your
1: mum's way
0: right? Yeah, 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 and you can only sit there. But did you and like
1: to play it together?
0: I think we must have done. Yeah, I think we did. You know, oh, that's yeah. nice. Well, yeah, which is the oddest thought, you know, like two brothers sat there like playing a story.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, well, go down there, go a few down there. years later, me and my brother used to. Um, I mean, I was never a massive gamer, but we used to play Animal Crossing together. And oh. this was like before. This is before it was even like online. Yeah. So it's just us in this little, you know, virtual village, having these odd conversations with well, all these animals about carp. When, when Animal
0: Crossing people mocked me for like an Animal Crossing, but it's huge now. It's massive. Everybody, you know, Elijah Wood plays it. Do you know what I mean it's trendy? Exactly. It's well trendy.
1: Yeah, no, I love I love animal crossing. I love the whole vibe. Go on. What's your second
0: second item? So my on?
1: second thing is, and I've made a few notes of this one because this one is a bit of an ambitious choice okay. for me. Um, but it is the Human Rights Act, which was okay, cut, which received royal assent in nineteen ninety eight. In November, so um, the Human Rights Act incorporated um, the European Convention on Human Rights into UK law. So what that meant was if people wanted to challenge the decisions of public authorities, they wouldn't have to go to Europe to do it. They wouldn't have to go to the European Court of Human Rights to do it. They could do it right here in jolly old blighty.
0: I imagine that's going to become more and more useful then. As time goes Mm. on. That's fascinating. Mm. Yeah. The the only non-cultural event I actually made a note of, and I'd argue this is still cultural, was that John Prescott had a bucket of ice poured over him by Chumbawamba at the Brit Awards.
1: Chumbawamba. Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) I was... These strangely anarchistic one-hit wonders who I would see in all earnestness was it were you there with me this year we went to see them at Glastonbury I think they were playing um acoustic I never saw Chamber Wember at Glastonbury and I think I was like I was like I've heard of them don't they do that tub thumping song and I was oh boy <laughs> I was I was they did not play that song and it was mainly I think it was a song about the toll puddle martyrs and I was a bit like okay okay mm. okay oh.
1: So the Human Rights Act,
0: <laughs> the Human
1: Rights Act, um, so it enshrines into law the right to life. Mm. So, you know, it completely abolished any idea that kind of the death sentence or capital punishment, which is the same thing, would would return. Um, it prohibited torture, Slavery and forced labor, enshrined in law, the right to to liberty, freedom of expression, and I think obviously you know it it gives people a legal framework by which they can challenge you know the decisions of public authorities, you know the decisions of the organizations that kind of mm. run the country um it, you know it gives them a framework by which they can um they can they can challenge that.
0: So, yeah. Did Chumbawamba sing about that? Right, back to
1: Chumbawamba,
0: yeah, aren't we? Yeah, we're just going back there. Back
1: to Chumbawamba. Um, it's relevant. So Chumbawamba came up the other night, actually. I was at <laughs> a comedy night. And um, if you want to derail my whole bit on the um, human rights act, to talk about Chumbawamba, we can go there. Okay. Uh, Let's do it. Someone was doing a performance about... Um, they basically started creating lines from that song and i think they thought it was going to take the audience a lot longer to get it than it actually did so they opened by saying um they were talking something about like oh i used to have an alcohol the setup was i used to have an alcohol problem yeah i had a whiskey drink but as soon as they said that yeah. everyone got it and then they were like oh i can't carry on with it
0: now oh um, um, they, they misjudged it
1: they were a good comic though a bloody good comic. I talked to them in the break and they were like, yeah, sometimes they just end up saying all the lyrics and no one gets it. <laughs> but that's probably based on age because Chumbawamba were very much of our generation,
0: weren't they? I mean, arguably, probably the one a bit before, I'd say.
1: But actually, the fact you bring up the whole John Prescott thing, like, I was trying to remember when I was talking to this comedian in the smoking area this um club. I was trying to remember what they did. They did something at a Brit Awards.
0: Was it at a Brit Awards where they threw iron? Why was John Prescott at the Brit Awards? Your guess is as good as mine. (laughs) You wouldn't see. Who's the deputy now? Is it Rob?
1: I think it is Dominic Rob.
0: bloody Rob. I would be up for someone throwing a bucket of ice over Rob. But who would it be? (laughs) Would it be like Little Um, Mix or like... (laughs) (laughs) It would have to be a one-hit wonder. Are they a little are they mixed? One, they're no, they ones? are not a one hit wonder. No. They're, they're multiple. It would have hits. to be, um, would it be the sausage roll guys who did the Christmas song? <laughs> no, it'd be, um, <laughs> chucking a sausage roll, putting <laughs> no, a Greg's bag over it. would be, um... Rob's head. I was trying
1: to have a really highbrow segment about the Human Rights Act, and I feel like
0: okay, so summarize quickly. <laughs> no, I can't. What's I the full like? Okay, what's the value of the Human Rights Act?
1: The Human Rights Act in three means words. that I have for freedom of expression, to try and talk about the Human Rights Act in a podcast and not really
0: um, yeah, not not,
1: not really actually kind of make any points about it. I wrote I did write stuff down because so I was like, I've got some yeah, really good you things extensive.
0: <laughs> you wrote it down in the very same way that I wrote down about Chumbawamba pouring a bucket of ice over.
1: So did John that Prescott. happen in 1998?
0: It did, yes. Both of these things happened in, in the year, and, and honestly, who's to say which one has the greater resonance? Especially I in the Chumba
1: modern... Chumbawamba. I mean, that, that's it's a difficult <laughs> human rights kind of case law, isn't it? Because I think they were probably violating John Prescott's right to like not get really wet at the Brit
0: Awards. Yeah. Which I think is. And also, what kind of did they even have those kind of hand dryers? Because this is before the Dyson hand dryers. You would have had to get all the towels out.
1: <laughs> I'm imagining John Prescott at one of those, um, you know, those things where with like the one bit of towel that yeah. loops around and you like pull oh, it God. out.
0: One, he's just put his head and in it. And it makes a noise. Of... Yeah. 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 And maybe, and he's, got, maybe he's got something. Uh, the top in of it. it.
1: Yeah. They're tub thumping. And he's had to call an aide and see. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you now, um, 1998, mm-hmm. we're back there. What is your second
0: thing? Pleasingly, I have set this up accidentally by saying that I went to Canada in the summer.
1: Oh, I am pleased.
0: I bet the audience are pleased as well. They're like, I remember that. Basically, so you went to Canada? I went to Canada on a plane. And in them days, in those days, the planes had massive screens so there was like a huge cinema screen and on the way back from canada i can't remember what was on it on the way over oh was titanic (laughs) it was on a plane yeah yeah, because i think they went well they can worry about that instead (laughs) (laughs) but that is of the year before the film they played on the way back to england was the truman show which is a film (laughs) That I still remember really keenly from that voyage back, even though I was really young, and it has this strange vibe in my mind still. And I watched it again really recently, like I think last year, and it really, it really grabbed me in in this way. It's a great film anyway, but I think it really grabbed me in the sense that like that particular time, like it just kind of came back to me. Do you know what I mean? That I was on the plane, you know, that I was coming back from this big, strange, long holiday we'd had. In the summer, and coming back to a place that was different, you know, I was changing schools and everything, uh, and so it's kind of that particular film on that particular flight. Do you see what I mean? But also it being a very kind of existentialist film within within of itself. The things combine in my mind uh, to make it kind of yeah 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 yeah, quite, yeah, yeah. remarkable to me.
1: So on the plane, so they had one big screen. Yeah, like a
0: massive screen.
1: So you didn't have screens in the back of the seat in front of you? No.
0: And did you... So they gave you headphones? I guess they must have done, yeah. I think they were, like, little flimsy. They weren't even in-ear, in-ear headphones then. I think they were, like, kind of like, uh you know, those kind of really flat ones, and they packed them down on the side. Yeah, and they had, like, yeah. a little foamy bit on, and you had to, like, un...
1: I've never been on a plane,
0: like, Ever? where... um. <laughs>
1: No, I've never been on the. My grandma, big grandma, never went on the plane. Really, I've never. I don't think my other grandma, little grandma, um, I don't think she's ever been on a plane. But I know she has been to Europe. Um, anyhow, <laughs> she has seen Paris, yeah, the continent, <laughs> as in yeah, she she has seen the sun, and she's um and she's um she's danced for tango and gay parade, and she uh, she's um. She sailed down the Danube.
0: <laughs> she had a bratverse um, by the right. She might
1: have done, actually. I, she has been to Austria, which I think the Danube is involved it's in important. somehow um, <laughs> as a river. Where was I? We're talking um, about planes.
0: What were planes. we talking about?
1: We're talking about planes. I've never been on a plane where they just got a big screen. Yeah, that it's must always... have been
0: quite old fashioned, I think, because it was, it was a big old plane as well. It was the 747. So it was like the huge ones. Yeah, but it's a film I still really like. I was going to say as well, I did look up other films from this year. <laughs> and I was...
1: Actually, 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 actually. So, on, um, right, Truman Show. Go on. Um, I've got my own memory about the Truman Show. I, um, did you see it in the year? I don't know if I saw it in the year, but Rob, our good friend Rob. Yes. If you're listening, Rob, I love you, that's why I don't eat Yeah. But um, I remember me and Rob... We were like in walking around the playground at St. Dunstans. And we started telling, we started saying to ourselves, like, oh my God, I think we're in the Truman Show. And then we walked past the English huts. Yeah. And there was someone with a camera in the English hut filming something. And we saw that and we both completely freaked out. You know, in that way, like when you're like 12. Yeah, but it was that kind of like, you know, when it's like, you know, you're bullshitting, but it's like you're kind of into it. So we were both there, like, oh my god, we are in the troop. because there was someone stood there, literally with like a massive camcorder, yeah, yeah filming yeah. something. It was probably like for an English project or something. It was like some older kids like doing it, and I yeah. just remember them looking at us like, "What is their problem?" Um, but yeah, that was um, that's one of my key memories of the Truman show. But I actually rewatched it last year, I think, at some point during lockdown, and um, mm. it's a good film. It's definitely stood
0: the test of time. It works really well because. It's an unreality anyway. Like at the time yeah. it was kind of a fantasy. And so it's not exactly dated in the sense that the technology it's depicting because the technology was already mad anyway. You'd think, I guess, with the advent of like reality TV and Big Brother and you know the idea of people's lives on, on screen, as it were, or even like live streaming, mm. it, it is before all of these phenomenon, but it doesn't look like it's like the advent of this stuff – or the reality of this stuff has cheapened what the message is, which is one of kind of autonomy, I suppose, or one of... Well, he
1: escapes, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He chooses so, like, He chooses the unknown over, like, this kind of, like, cocoon that he's
0: Yeah, 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 which, which I've always thought is... It's, a, it's one of the best film endings there is, because it's almost like the end of the film gives you the choice. Yeah. So the end of the film gives you the autonomy Some to... Some of
1: the best films end that way. You know, like a graduate when he gets on the bus and he's you you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Because that's it. Because it it puts the responsibility back on you to tell the story, which I think is such a brilliant way to end any film. Who was Um, he directed for Truman's show? Peter Weir, who did Picnic at Hanging Rock and Gallipoli Dead Poets Society.
1: Oh yeah, but I feel like its basic message was about how I guess at nineties in the nine in the nineteen nineties there was a lot of anxiety around consumerism and the idea mm. that life itself could be kind of like commodified and. It's like when
0: you think about all the like ads and stuff they slot into it. It's like the kind of product placement in it is fantastic, and I love I love it kind of constantly going to the audience as well just these random people that you don't know who they are, but, they, but you, you only see them through him, as it were. That's yeah. Brilliant. Anyway. Yeah. Great film. That is a great film. Let's everybody re-watch it now. Start now. Pause the podcast, go and re-watch it. What is your last thing, third and final thing?
1: My third and final thing? Oh, so I have no notes to this because it's all in my memory. But 1998, oh, of course, was the year But we at school... Year six, that was the yeah. year, but we had sex education. You're choosing that. Sex education. Yes, I am choosing it because it was iconic for so many reasons. <laughs> do you do you not remember sex education week in year six? A bit. I remember a little well. I remember well. so yeah, <laughs> I'm sure everyone realised. Yeah, so as we've already said, actually, yeah. So Owen and I went to school together, St. Benedict's Church of England. Junior school and sex education week. It was just a real event. One of the main things I want to talk about is how we had to look after an egg for a week. Oh, yeah. Which had like a little, um, they put yeah. barcodes on it and it wasn't, you couldn't boil it. did we draw on the eggs? I didn't draw on my egg. No, I, um, I drew on mine. But my egg was called Anastasia Nadine. You know what? I remember that.
0: Maybe not if you'd asked me. But now that you've said it, I remember What it. was my egg called? Well, it doesn't work now. No, I know. It doesn't but, work now, but, does it? But, but I wasn't going to ask you. Like... <laughs> I also remember that year you had like a Tamagotchi... Obsession. Nursery. I had loads. Didn't you charge other people to look after theirs? Or am I making that up?
1: No, I don't think I did that. No. But I did pink. set up an egg crash. But no one wanted to put their eggs in my crash. So what was your egg called?
0: My egg... Was David Lister from Red Dwarf? I had such oh. an obsession with uh, Red Dwarf. The teachers actually wrote home and asked my parents to make me watch something else. But like, so my egg was named David Lister, and I drew a little, I drew dreadlocks on the on the back of the egg. But that was, you know what? People all did the thing where when they got past the week with the egg without breaking it, they all smashed their eggs.
1: Yeah, I threw Anastasia in a hedge.
0: I didn't do it. I was. I Did felt you very keep your egg for the day. whole week? I've still got it. No. <laughs> and here it is today. I think someone actually knocked it out of my hand or something like that, but it wasn't my choice. That's a Human Rights Act violation, right? Oh, there. my
1: God. Well, I mean, that is murder. Egg. That
0: egg had the right to life. It had its own dreadlocks. It
1: had a right to be an egg.
0: <laughs> I, I distinctly remember the little, like, box I made for it at night. I think it was like a little tissue box. I had a little basket
1: for my egg. And what else did I have for it? I, had, I remember I had a, a, an old Sylvanian family mansion. I think it was like a sh- corner shop or something. or a, No, it was a schoolhouse. Yeah. So I put the egg and in there. You put the egg in there. Yeah. Nice. But I kept my egg for the whole week. But the other thing I want to talk about, Sex Education Week at St Dunstan's. Do you remember the last day of Sex Education Week when all the boys got taken off to one room? Yes. With our male, six, year six teacher, and it was like, no hold barred, ask any questions you want. I
0: remember that really clearly. I remember the room we went into. He, like, sat on the desk and put his, like, feet on the chair and was like, right, guys, you know, rolled up his sleeves. Come on, blokes. Let's have it out. (laughs) What are we talking about? What do you want to know? What do you want to know about the
1: business? (laughs) What do you want to know about the business that we call fucking? I I remember questions like, what is a
0: playboy? What is a playboy? Um,
1: I remember that's when I found out the word for masturbation. Okay. But for ages, I thought it was masturbation. (laughs) um i've it's also crucially that's when i learned what the rude c word was really because one of our teachers at school said the word crap in a lesson i came home i told my dad that one of our teachers said the rude c word my dad was really shocked yeah. um, and then i was like oh it's it was just crap i mean my dad was like oh so it wasn't the rude c uh. word um and then I was like, what's the rude C word? And then my dad told me that the rude C word was catty. And then I remember a girl saying it at school. And I remember being like, oh my God, that is so shocking. That is like the rude C word. So I yeah, I found out in that end of sex education session. Uh, that's Did when they I found ask out what the,
0: the teacher, what the C word yeah, was. Yeah,
1: someone must have asked what and he that said it was. Yeah, because it was no holds barred.
0: Wow. You know, I, I have no recollection of that beyond his stance and the room that we were in. That's, isn't that weird? Yeah. It's weird what we remember differently. Let's do my last thing. I was going to do TV. Oh. Yeah. yeah.
1: 98 TV. Indeed.
0: What 98 TV have we got? Some debuts that year, but it is not these things, was uh, The Royal Family, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, started that year, Scrap Heap Challenge, and Graham Norton got his show, So Graham Norton, on Channel 4. And it was the year that originated SMTV Live. But the show I'm talking about, much like you with Danny Minogue, is a retrospective show, a show that I discovered much later on. It's the show called Is It Bill Bailey? Right, okay. And I wanted to highlight this because it's a really weird period in the like mid to late 90s where all of the spaced people that were in space are doing lots of different things. But I also wanted to highlight Is It Bill Bailey because bits of it were written by Sean Locke, who died recently. He he was around for a lot longer than people might think, So this is 98. And same with Bill Bailey. He always said, what was it, that his meteoric rise to fame was as if the meteor was being dragged through a field uh, at the back of an arthritic donkey, was it? Because this show was done when he was like a new stand up basically or he'd only been doing stand up for a couple of years and it was just bits of his stand up material bits of material from Sean Locke bits of material from uh, Martin Treneman who is his other mate and it's got people like i think it's got Kev Eldon in it mm. and Simon Peg uh, and it is directed by Edgar Wright who then obviously goes on to do space mm. and to Sean the, Shaun of the Dead So it's time. literally just parts of his stand-up kind of yeah yeah so it's a it's a kind of strange it's very late 90s kind of like it's got that kind of odd nocturnal vibe like it was like, on
1: at like eleven thirty 30 at night or something yeah on channel four or something
0: yeah i've only seen it a few times but i really recommend it as like a as a kind of strange archival like before they was famous type show and it's a really it's very much of its time
1: Sorry, sorry, what did a young Bill Bailey look like?
0: The same. <laughs> yeah, I imagine I can
1: I can totally see yeah, that. He's just
0: the same.
1: <laughs> I mean, he is such an enigmatic performer, <laughs> you know. Like when you think about him on Strictly, like yeah. everyone thought he was gonna be like, Oh, he's gonna be hopeless. Mm. But
0: he was a nifty little move, but didn't he win yeah. the series of Strictly? He was yeah, on. Yeah, I think. You underestimate Bill Bailey at your peril. Absolutely. I think every time I go into seeing like one of his new stand-ups, I'm like, oh, he's he's not going to be as good as he was. And then he's still he's still great. Mm. And you're just like, oh, he, he's that kind of perennial figure, isn't he? And he very much reminds me of that time, you know, late 90s, early noughties kind of scene. He's a familiar stock to me, shall we say, you know, the kind of stoned sitting around in a pub, rambling bloke type of person (laughs) which i could certainly relate to you know um you know all conspiracy theories and political
1: but he's so uh, much more than that isn't he like he's so like that's kind of like you Mm. said you underestimate him at your peril like it feels like that is kind of like it would be so easy to just think like oh he's a bit of a kooky bloke but he's clearly like an incredibly intelligent writer yeah i
0: think it's how he works because he kind of appears like he's sort of fairly he's just wandered his whole gag often is that he's like a roadie that's wandered on stage but then Mm. he's all like incredibly musically gifted incredibly Mm. intelligent like Mm. you know but not kind of braggadocious about it so i wanted to highlight is it bill bailey the kind of i would say television debut nearly of they were all on a show a bit earlier, but that was that's the one that's kind of uh, early stuff.
1: Yeah, so I, f- I feel like anyone listening, they've got a real bag of kind of recommendations. They've <laughs> yeah. got sex education. <laughs> yeah, and, look after an egg for a yeah, week.
0: You've got to listen to Danny uh, Mano whilst flying yeah, on a look- plane and watching. <laughs> Yeah. watching the Truman Show look
1: up the Human Rights Act on Hansard <laughs> and just have a good old actually I'll tell you what if you want to read more about the human rights and actually learn about it the Equality and Human Rights Commission have got a really nifty page on their website where you can like look up all the different articles yeah. and, of the Human Rights Act and you know decide what your favourite one is maybe you like all of them well I'd
0: say pick your favourite one and then on a self-addressed plain postcard send it in to us bit of glitter on it oh yes and draw an interpretation of it please please do it is time for the finale games let
1: the games commence Nice little music intro there. This is the little segment where we look at a coming, a birth in the year, and a going. So a death in the year. So it's my turn to speak. Okay. I- and I will
0: guess. Am I guessing?
1: I don't know if you're going to get my coming, but um
0: what people who were born?
1: Yeah, you may. You. I don't know if you're. I don't want to make any. Let me have some guesses.
0: Let me have some guesses.
1: Ask me questions.
0: Okay are they a musician yes yes they are are they a lady no they're not i shouldn't have said that in a little britain way <laughs> <laughs> it sounds
1: a bit alan partridge
0: actually <laughs> <laughs> little lady.
1: lady.
0: do you say no they're not a lady
1: no they're not a lady
0: okay so was someone born who is a musician yeah in that year yeah. 1998 are they a current musician are they trendy at the moment oh yeah yeah, they're, they're riding high. So at the how minute. old would they be? They'd be like... 23. Okay, riding high. Are they American? No, very much British. British? Very, very British. much a British musician. And part of an act or a solo person? Solo. One syllable man's name. You may have made the right assumption about me. Is it? <laughs> One syllable? Yeah. They're mono... Also the
1: name of a TV channel. Monic.
0: Dave. Dave. Well, I think you made that very easy. Channel One. (laughs) I've heard of Dave.
1: Does he do, do, is it like rap? Yeah, he's a rapper. He's a rapper. He's a producer. He's a singer-songwriter. He's an actor. He was in Top Boy as well. Oh,
0: isn't Dave super political?
1: He is. So actually, I'm not too au fait with his music. I only know one of his songs, Streatham which was from yeah. his number one album, Psychodrama. Okay. So Psychodrama is like a concept album, which is like split into bits. So there's one bit that's about environment. There's another bit about, I think it's like moral code. And then there's another section as well, which I, I can't remember what that section's about, but the environment section, uh, one of the mm. songs in that is, is about Streatham. It's called Streatham and it's about Streatham, which is where he um, grew up. I really like listening to it because I lived in Streatham for a couple of years and he he mentions bus routes. He mentions actual roads. It's very much like tide. You you really get a sense of him kind of...
0: It sounds pleasingly specific.
1: Yeah, just, I don't know. It's um, listening to it, you really kind of like get a sense of like the area, which is so like weird to think. Do you know what I mean? Like in a, a song can actually make you think of like yeah. a kind of an actual like area. But I remember okay. so in Streatham, uh they've got the PRS music rights building. So where they okay. work out like all the rights and stuff. And I think Dave, it was when he was like really successful at the Brit Awards, they like put up because it's a massive building and they put up in all the windows like well done, Dave. Well done,
0: Dave. Yeah. But um... <laughs> there's something there's something great about that. And I also like that he's joined that kind of 20-something um young artist thing of being completely ungooglable. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, you can't quite just, a few... yeah, just Google. Yeah, because you Google Dave, you're gonna get a lot of results. Like, and I know now he's big, that's fair, but when that is a ballsy move when you're starting out to be like, try writing Dave Live into YouTube. <laughs> And you'll just get the chorus of Dave's. Okay, let's do Goings then. Who... So
1: Goings, I think you might. Hmm, so this person is, um, yeah, dead, dead. Yeah, so Goings, <laughs> obviously, it's someone who is no more, who is deceased. Are they
0: in the arts or or not?
1: No, they were. They were not in the arts.
0: They politician.
1: They were an extremely contentious politician. Oh, okay. <laughs> Was it Enoch Powell?
0: Yeah. Hey! Enoch Powell died. On <laughs> hey. the it's the eight. first time I've ever said Enoch Powell and cheered. I think of my entire life. <laughs> He
1: died on the 8th of February, 1998. And he was born on the 16th of June, 1990, 1992. <laughs> he was born wow. on the, He was Such <laughs> so much notoriety. He was six years old. And into those six years, he packed in a huge amount of racism. Yeah. No, he was born on the 16th of June, 1912.
0: In a bloodied river.
1: <laughs> he was a classic scholar. He yep. studied at Trinity College, Cambridge. he fought in World War two, but obviously he's most widely known for his rivers of blood speech made in nineteen sixty
0: eight which mm. was I was looking at today, and it's just I've heard it it is based on a pack of fucking lies absolutely and it's it, all built on a made up interaction which he lied about having
1: I, I think one of the reasons why I kind of like wanted to choose him was because like when you look at the rivers of blood speech, he like mm dressed it all up with like all these kind of like classical Classical illusions illusions. and you know to make it all sound so intelligent and so but what he was saying was just racist horseshit Mm -hmm. you know from our perspective and stoking up racial hate like yeah it just really makes you think doesn't it 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 really does make you
0: think what a heavy-handed illusion to make now it's time for single of the year and let's have you guessing what was the single of the year you probably already know i don't know actually have we mentioned okay. it already no oh, it's not tub thumping by chumble wumba is it no it's not no that was from several years previously this has not been mentioned in the show before right can let me guess was it by the spice girls
1: no was it by a band no right so it's by a sick oh oh my god i absolutely know what Go it on. is
0: it's believed by yes Shan. it is massive song yeah, yeah 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 it was yeah, the very, yeah. it was a very early uh, use of uh, modern auto-tuning and they well no so go on sorry well all i know about it is they they lied to the record label and said it was a vocoder when actually it was auto-tuning to yeah. make it to so, make it more palatable to them because they were like what there's a series
1: on um netflix about autotune no it was about modern pop music we've yeah. got an episode about autotune and autotune had actually been used for years before mm. but it had never been used in that kind of over deliberate way yes. on a mainstream recording yeah, yeah, yeah. before and loads of producers and people in the music business were like really pissed off with Cher that she like basically exposed you know, what oh, kind of is being used, used to mestizia. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's but that song is a classic. Well, I think it was oh the God. I think it was the
0: producers who did it because they said they were worried she'd be annoyed with them that they that they'd done that to her voice. She was 58 when it came out, and many people credit it with being what cemented her as a kind of pop culture figure in her later years. And she has been a huge part of our lives ever since. So there we go. Thank you very much for tuning in. There we in. go, nineteen
1: ninety eight. You have got a whole load of stuff to listen to.
0: Yeah, I barely covered a lot of my uh, list, although it was mainly just about John Prescott getting a bucket of ice dumped over his head.
1: Yeah, and that dumped a bucket of ice over my bit on the human rights app. But thank you for listening.
0: Where can they find us on the social? At Years Is Pod on Twitter
1: and at Years Is Pod Instagram, and we've got a Facebook page as so well. Just search Years yeah. and Years
0: Podcast. Yeah. And you can find that where we mainly tweet the episodes when they come. Yeah, we we'll just put the episode on it. Basically, yeah, that's yeah. where you'll find the episode.
1: You can find me at 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 me at dick.denim on Insta at dick underscore denim on Twitter. I know. Oh, you got. I that need out. I along. know. I need to have a word with my comms director. <laughs>